Welcome to Vitals and Vision, Healthcare Leadership Insights with Relias. We're a leading provider of healthcare education and workforce enablement solutions, and together, we'll explore pressing industry challenges and valuable insights from healthcare experts. Our guests will inspire you with knowledge and new approaches to empower your organization's success today and tomorrow. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's dive in. Welcome to the Vitals and Vision podcast. I'm your host, Lee Steiner, a partner for Behavioral Health Solutions at Relias. Today's episode will focus on how organizations can improve retention rates among Gen Z employees by considering their unique objectives and expectations for the work experience. Recent research has shown that such efforts can really have a positive effect on retention. And to help us explore this topic, we've invited Dr. Vicki Idle, the Director of Behavioral Health Solutions for Relias. In that role, she works with payers and providers and professional trade organizations and government entities to design and apply digital analytic solutions that help improve patient outcomes and create systemic change. Prior to joining Relias, she held numerous C-level positions on several national health plans, and she's formed several companies providing medication-assisted treatment to individuals with opioid use disorder. So let's jump in. I think a good place to start is by discussing who Gen Z is and why this is such an important topic. Sure, that sounds like a great place to start. So Gen Zers are um, born between 1997 and 2012. This particular segment of our population has entered the working world under circumstances that are totally different than any of us have ever previously experienced, any other generation. And specifically, let's start with some of the demographics in that you know, they're the most racially and ethnically diverse generation in U.S. history. They are coming into the working world with a set of circumstances where 55% of them report being diagnosed with or receiving treatment for mental health or substance use disorders. More than 25% of them report that mental health issues interfere with their work performance. They report high levels of doubt about eventually being able to do the things that all of us aspire to in terms of, you know, retiring someday or buying a home or being financially secure. They feel like the world is in a place where that those things may not be available to them. They report fears of things like loss of privacy, cyber warfare, climate change, global economic instability, and global safety. So it seems as though there's this cloud of apprehension, doubt, fear that they bring to the workplace that I don't think we can ignore and I would actually suggest uh, to employers that they don't ignore that at all because it is obviously impacting the issue of retention as well as just impacting overall 
work-life balance and work performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So keep going down that road, if you would, Vicki, in the sense of what else are the unique qualities of the Gen Z employees and what should employers be preparing for, looking for, and making sure is available in the workplace in order to attract and retain Gen Z employees? You know, overall, there seem to be, based on the the research that I've looked at, there seem to be five non-negotiables when it comes to Gen Zers in the workplace. Number one is that they see learning as their key to advancement. So when they're coming in to your organization and they're onboarding, they really want to see a defined learning and development program and what will be available to them. They understand that learning is the key to their career success and you know they just see that as a non-negotiable as i already mentioned the second thing that is a non-negotiable is mental health and and mental well-being benefits that's the most important piece of the benefit plan you know it used to be that health insurance coverage was the most important piece um that is not the case anymore at least for um gen zers thirdly they want to have a genuine connection in the workplace you know, they want to feel like they're seen in the workplace and heard. You know, do they matter in the workplace? They really want to feel like they're making a contribution as well as that the organization is making a contribution. One of the things that I, I recommend to employers is, you know, most of, of our health and human service organizations already have a, a really well-defined mission and vision. But that mission and vision frequently is only applicable to the organization. And I suggest to organizations that they expand that and really have something in their mission statement about how they contribute to the world, how they contribute to the overall to overall society in terms of um, not just their local area and not just their local purview or their local services, but how do they fit in and how do they... Uh, how do they help to improve society as a whole? That's going to be something that Gen Zers will resonate to, and they will um, find that attractive when they're joining an organization. So that genuine human connection and, and mission and values and vision uh, is another set of, of non-negotiables. And kind of fitting in with that whole topic and that whole set of non-negotiables is the issue of the why of the work. Uh, they need to feel very clear about, you know, what is the purpose of what I'm doing? What is the purpose of my work? Um, what is the purpose of the organization? So that's uh, an area of uh, non-negotiable. Then the, the fifth one and the last one that I'll mention is, is again, I think unique and something that employer, I would suggest to employers that they factor in and that is um, the whole area of financial wellness. You know, I was actually just reading a, um, a little blurb from McKinsey this morning about this topic of financial wellness and financial well-being for Gen Zers. Um, and 
when I talked about some of the the fears that they have and, you know, really feeling apprehensive about their future, the issue of financial wellness and also financial wellness training is very important. And I would suggest to employers that they think about bringing in, you know, to maybe to their all hands staff meetings or, you know, having a, a separate kind of a, a benefit where the employees can access some sort of a financial training, financial wellness. You know, what is financial wellness? How do they improve their financial wellness? Um, what do they need to do in terms of budgeting? You know, some of the real basics that these Gen Z folks feel like they're missing and they, they really want to understand it. They think it's important. So it, when it comes to retention, that would be, again, something that would be very attractive and uh, very helpful to, uh, to employers. So if I was a supervisor and I'm a millennial, you know, or let's say even I'm a Gen Xer, all right, what does that mean to me? How do I need to attend to the uniquenesses of this Gen Z population who I may be their supervisor? Mm -hmm. You know, we probably have heard, all heard that old saying of you don't quit a job, you quit a boss. And that certainly um, applies here with the Gen Z folks. They need to feel a connection with their boss, perhaps even um, more so than just the standard, you know, supervisory one-on-one -on -one type sessions that, uh, that many of us have experienced over our careers. So I think it's very important to assess and train your leadership and your supervisors, as well as if I am the supervisor, as, as you um, asked in your question, it's, uh, it's important to get feedback from the Gen Zer, so that as you're sitting down and you're talking to them about their position and how they can uh, make an impact, it's it's very important to get their feedback and talk about and ask them questions about, you know, how do they see that they could perhaps influence the organization? How would you know? How would they perhaps do some process improvements? Um, they, you know, this is part of creating that connection as well as, um, you know, creating a sense of their contributions and getting and valuing their input. So I think that it's, it's really got to be, if I'm a supervisor, it's got to be a, a, a two-way dialogue um, with the Gen Zers. Uh, that's, that's just critical to them. And then the, the other thing that I would uh, suggest as a supervisor is, you know, over-communicate the why. Over-communicate, um, you know, the, the culture of talking about your organization's um, goals, objectives, where the employee may fit into those goals and objectives, and how that relates back, as we were talking about, to that overall sense of mission and values and, and vision. So I think those key factors as a supervisor will enable you to, to help, um, you know, really help the employee, the Gen Z employee, um, feel a sense of belonging and thus creating, you know, longer, longer retention with the organization. 
Vicki, when you talk about that, I'm thinking, you know, I was raised in a generation where I accepted that this paperwork had to be done, this form had to be completed, this had to be done in that way. And even though sometimes I would say to myself, well, that's ridiculous. Of course, it doesn't, you know, it sounds like this group that we're talking about here would have less tolerance than I would about (laughs) some of the um, bureaucratic activities that have to be completed in an organization. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. I think you're, you're right on, Lee, um, and that they may have less tolerance in terms of, of you know, just accepting it and not questioning it. Um, you know, they, uh, they certainly will question it and, you know, even offer some <laughs> suggestions for improvement. That's good. Um, they, you know, they, they, uh, I don't think they have the expectation that everything will necessarily, you know, change a hundred percent, but, but certainly they will um, expect to be a part of, you know, process improvement and, um, and offering solutions, which is wonderful. Yeah. So do you have some examples? Uh, obviously, as you lovely in your description here, lay this out, every different group sort of, comes with a different um, set of skills. You know, my millennial background, I, I may be tolerant. That may be a set of skills that that I have developed because of the age in which I came into the workforce and worked. How is the opportunity to have an exchange between Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z so that Gen Z also benefits from some of the learnings of Gen X and millennial supervisors or managers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. And I've seen a little bit of research um, when it comes to addressing this particular topic about, you know, how do you capitalize on having a, multi-gen- a multi-generational workforce? Yes. And what what uh, the few studies that I've seen are, are showing is that um, having some sort of a mentorship program within your organization uh, could be one way to to accomplish those goals, Lee. And Gen Zers seem to really enjoy that and like that. So even though they may be coming into your organization in one role, they um, they really would enjoy getting to know how the rest of the organization functions and works. And by having that increased exposure, then they can develop those relationships with, um, you know, other, other generations uh, in the organization and, you know, perhaps even setting up a kind of formal mentorship program um, can be helpful as well, but it doesn't have to be a formal one. It can be more informal, uh, particularly if you have a smaller organization, you know, just having uh, that sort of a uh, rotation, if you will, for the Gen Z employee throughout the organization, getting that exposure to functionally the other parts of the organization, but also getting exposure to the other people within the organization and developing those relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Vicki, that, yeah, that sounds like it's, it's healthy for the whole organization. Actually, what I hear you talking about, the kind of respect that is provided in order to attract and retain the Gen Z population is beneficial to everyone in the organization. Um, it's like cultural sensitivity. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm a listener and I have been compelled by what you have said about the Gen Z population, and I'm going to go back to my organization and try to do something different, what do I do? What's the first step I take? Maybe I I understand change management, but is there something uh, beyond that or ancillary to it that are good steps for me to take to make an organization that can really attract and retain the Gen Z employee? Well, we, we do have evidence of some best practices. So in terms of sharing those best practices, you know, if I'm a listener, um, I might want to take these best practices back to the organization. And it would be things like um, talking to your uh, HR department and or senior leadership about your uh, benefit structure. And do you have flexible lifestyle benefits? Do you have things like floating holidays? Do you have some floating in-service days where perhaps uh, employees can take a, a day or two a year and go explore something else that they're interested in? You know, maybe they go take a photography workshop or something like that. Just, you know, a day or two a year that they can explore that kind of flexibility and in, in-service in and, and learn another skill. So, and things like, Contracting with lifestyle coaches, that would be another uh, suggestion that you might take back to your organization is that they, you know, contract with a lifestyle coach to come in for on-site employee meetings um, and talk about, you know, the things that we talked about with the financial aspect for Gen Zers, uh, financial wellness, financial training. The other thing that uh, is a best practice is creating employee action committees within your organization. So you might want to take that back. um, And if you don't have employee action committees already formed in your organization, you know, perhaps start thinking about that and organizing a couple of those, because those can be a great um, engagement tool and consequently a great retention tool. And then the last best practice that we're starting to see in the industry is increasing benefits with increasing tenure. So what I mean by that is that you create kind of an individualized benefit package instead of, you know, kind of one size fits all, that as a as an employee becomes more tenured with your organization, you talk to them about um, what is important to them in terms of continued uh, development and training. And you build that into their benefit package. So uh, an example, again, would be um, sending them to some sort of a financial training workshop external to the organization, sending them to a mindfulness conference, you know, all things like that, which you could use as a, a piece of their benefit package instead of, you know, for example, instead of just, you know, carte blanche increasing PTO time. So that kind of creative and individualized approach is a best practice. Yeah. So your five non-negotiables that they see learning as a key to advancement, that mental health and mental health well-being benefits are in their health plan, that they have a genuine connection in the workplace, 
the why of work and this whole area of financial wellness. Those are powerful things to consider and think about. Vicki, as we sort of begin to close this out, are there anything else about those five non-negotiables that we should understand or actions we could take uh, to really make sure that's part of the fabric of the culture of our organizations? You know, there is one thing we didn't touch on um, that I would say is important um, as a consideration within those five non-negotiables. You know, we do have data on um, how often Gen Zers switch jobs. And specifically, this generation is likely to change jobs up to 10 times between the ages of 18 and 34. Uh, so that has a profound impact on an organization's retention and recruitment, honestly. So, you know, that I think it's important to factor that in and know that that's what the data is, is showing. So that if you are not taking into consideration those five non-negotiables, you can expect that Gen Zers don't tend to stick around very long. Um, if they really feel like, you know, one of these areas is uh, being ignored or they don't see evidence of it in the organization, they will not hesitate to, uh, to leave the organization. So I just wanted to point that out as kind of a, a key data point. Yeah. And I think that's a, that is a significant difference between that group and Vicki, you're in my millennial group where we tend to be very, I'm going to say loyal but sometimes loyal to a fault in the sense of sticking with an organization, regardless of if it's meeting our needs or not. Absolutely. Yeah. This has really been fascinating. And as we, cl- as, as we close this out, t- tell me what attracted you to doing, diving in and uh, doing this work. Uh, because this is a, you know, uh, it, it's a it's a life work really trying to under understand the dynamics of what are gone going on understanding how organizations can shape themselves to be sensitive to and meet the needs of this population so what attracted you to this well i began to really dive into the whole workforce shortage um particularly within our field of health and human services and the more that i looked at that area and the data of just how the tremendous um, disconnect between supply and demand for mental health and substance use disorder services is out there. I mean, we have so many areas of the country where there is just a, there's just no services that are available. Um, And it's because that, there's a workforce shortage, as we all know. So the more that I looked into that, the more I began to get the sense that in order to improve the situation, we needed to be able to attract new work, a new workforce. And we know that about 36% of Gen Zers report that they do want to pursue a career in healthcare. So if we want to make sure that we 
improve on that statistic and actually uh, entice more Gen Zers to, to pursue a career in healthcare, we need to, to retain them as well. And so that's really where I started to dive in is, you know, how, uh, this, this um, serious, serious issue that we have in terms of supply and demand of uh, people needing services, but services not being available because of a workforce shortage. How do we improve that? And, you know, what do we need to do? Um, so that that, you know, in a roundabout way is <laughs> what it what attracted me to to dive into specifically Gen Zers. Yeah. Thank you. Vicki, you are such a um, easy person to talk to. You are so thoughtful and well-researched. Um, I am sh- I've certainly enjoyed the conversation, and I'm sure that all of our listeners have too. Um, so thank you for being with us, and thank you for, as we uh, look at this landscape of retention in healthcare, talking about this most important aspect. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed the conversation as well. It's my pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Vitals and Vision. We sincerely hope that our discussion on retaining Gen Z employees has offered you some actionable strategies that your healthcare organizations can implement to better impact retention rates and create a more fulfilling work experience for this generation. Remember that success starts with a clear vision and vital strategies. Join us next time as we continue to bring you engaging conversations and thought-provoking insights in our future podcast episodes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Vitals and Vision, brought to you by Relias. If you enjoyed what you heard, please consider subscribing and leaving us a five-star review. Feel free to share this episode with others. It really helps. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, email us at vitalspodcast at go.relias.com. Thank you for your continued support. We appreciate you joining us. Until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, and keep growing.